are now listening to PursuitCast, the official podcast of Pursuit NYC. May it be an encouragement to you today and stir your soul for revival. So Luke chapter 2, verse 22, it says, When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, that's Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, The child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Amen? Let's pray. God, once again, we just want to thank you for your faithfulness, your presence, your Holy Spirit. God, we thank you that you love us and that you're for us, Lord. So come speak to us in the place that we're at. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I guess first things first, I should do a little explaining on, on what this is all about. Basically, we're calling this ministry Pursuit NYC, and it's a midweek service that we're planning on doing, uh, just to gather people all in the region and area to gather for one thing and one thing only, and that's to see revival come. But we want to see revival come to New York City, New York City metropolitan area, and, and that's what Pursuit NYC is all about. It's gathering of people, gathering of saints, contending, interceding, you know, fellowshipping, whatever it takes to see God come and His kingdom come in this area. Now, the, the, whole, the way it all got started was actually a couple months ago when I was in transition myself from a church and I went to this conference because I had to go. It was required of me by my job, by my licensing, that I had to go to this conference. So I went begrudgingly to this Christian conference for only pastors I was mumbling, grumbling, maybe even cursing. Just kidding. But we had to go. And I, and I went there, and there was this icebreaker thing. And I sat next to this guy. And I think we were doing some icebreaker thing where we had to share something that we were proud of. And the person next to me, he flew out from Colorado. He works at the national office. And, he was, and, and like any father, he was bragging about his son. Now, his son opened a church in Redding, California. And now they have over a thousand young people. And the way they started it was, he just started an evening service because the church was desperate for a worship leader. 
and they asked him to just lead worship for them. And he said, only on one condition will I lead worship, and that's if you would let me do an evening service however I wanted. Now eventually that became the church plan, and, and I sat there listening to, to him share about his son, and, and, I, and I can honestly say to you that it wasn't spiritual, and I didn't feel like God was speaking to me, I was just in the natural, like, that's a pretty cool idea. You know, why don't I try something like that? And that was it. So I had that in the back of my mind, and I'm in transition. And, and I was leaving my old church to transition into my new church, and I went to this house of prayer um, the week before my last Sunday, and I was just there praying, and just, you know, processing with the Lord, just surrendering things, praying, you know, etc., and I came across Psalm 38. Now, I'm sure I've read this psalm before, but it's not something I've memorized. But there's this one verse in there that just stuck out to me, and that was verse 9. And it says, All my longings lie open before you. My sighing is not hidden from your sight. And I just rested on that passage. I just read that about a million times that night, that God, my longings lie open before you. You know the, the deepest desires of my heart, the frustrations of my heart, the sighing of my heart. God, you know my heart completely. And the night was wrapping up, and the leader went up to the mic, and I was just sitting in the back by myself, being emo and all that stuff. And the leader goes up to the mic, and he says, Sam, we feel like God is highlighting you, and we just want to lift you up. We just want you to stand, and we want to pray for you. So I sat up all the way in the back by myself, being emo, and the first thing he says to me is, Sam, God wants you to know that he's seen the hidden places of your heart. The same exact verse that I was reading that night. And that, from there, it just brought me back to that idea. And with that idea, just sharing with friends, just sharing it with leaders and pastors, I just felt like God was giving me the green light to go for this dream. That there's nothing to lose. So from there... You know, I just said, let's, let's just do it. You know, I recruited hard for James. Had to rip him away from his fan club. I get death threats daily. But I recruited him. And, and doing all of these things because we just want to see revival come. That that's what, what this ministry is all about. That's what this service is about. That we just want to see revival happen in, in, in our area, in our region, in our time, in our generation. And I know that word revival has a lot of baggage to it. That we've seen abuses, we've seen, you know, maybe hopes that were disappointed or, or, or things that we thought were revival. And there's a lot of jadedness attached to that word. There's a lot of baggage attached to that word. But I believe that God's heart is all about revival. He wants to see people coming to Him. I think one way we could define revival is it's not so much the manifestations, it's not so much the signs, but it's simply plundering hell to populate heaven. That's revival, that we see lives changing, lives turning to Christ, that, that people are being transformed from the inside out. That's what revival is all about. And from there, that's why we're, we're, we're going after this idea. That's why we're going after this dream, to, to, to see that God would do what only God can do. The vision for, for, for this ministry is simply put, revival or bust. That's the vision. If you don't have any cutesy words in there, you know, we don't have, like, nice little things. It's just simply put, revival or bust. That, that in, in the same way, the same analogy we can use is that if you have a sports team, and in the same way, it's championship or bust. They're not playing just to make it to the playoffs. 
They're not just playing to, to maybe get 500. But they're playing to win for the title. And guess what? You know what? They might have bumps and bruises along the way. They might screw up. They might lose a couple games here and there. But at the end of the day, they're pursuing after one goal, and that's the championship. In the same way, there's one thing that we're going after, and that's revival and revival alone. It's a vision that's bigger than us. It's a vision that outlives us. It's a vision that only God himself can fulfill. If your dream can't fit God, then it's too small. If your dream can be fulfilled by just you, it's too small. But I want a dream bigger than me that the only way this dream could come to pass is that God has to come and do it himself. The truth is we're not talented enough, we're not smart enough, we're not rich enough, at least I'm not. We don't have the resources, but we do have the source himself, and that's Jesus. That's what this vision is about, that we want to see Jesus come and do what only he can do. I can't fulfill God's promise for him. But that's the promise that we're going after, that we would see Jesus in our lifetime. That we would see Jesus with our own eyes. That we would see Jesus come and move in a mighty and powerful, powerful way. I don't know about you, but I don't want to just read the stories in the Bible and say, yeah, that, that was back then. That, that's just a friendly reminder of what God can do if he wanted to. But I want to see God do it today. I believe his promises are yes and amen for today. Not just back then, not just, you know, because they did not have the scriptures yet. No, it's, it's to show us, it's to point us to the promises that are already ours. And, and that's what we want to see. We want to see revival come. We want to see God do what he alone can do. And that leads us to this passage in Luke chapter 2 that we read this evening. That we come across this man named Simeon. He's, he's a devout, righteous man. And he's an elderly man. But he's filled with the Spirit. He has intimacy with God. He walks with the Lord. And, and God shows him and speaks to him and promises him that he will one day see the Lord's Messiah with his own eyes. That God promises you won't die until you see the, 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 the coming Savior. So he takes that promise and he waits on God. And we can see in his life, lifestyle that waiting wasn't passive. Waiting wasn't something like he just goes and does whatever he does. But we see him going to the temple. We see him pursuing after God. We see him cultivating intimacy with God. And finally, just, you know, the way that God does best. You know, it, it, it can be coincidence. It can be serendipity. Whatever you would like to call it. I like to say it's the sovereignty of the Lord. Where he finds himself at the temple at the right time. At the right place. When Jesus is going to come and be dedicated to the Lord. So he goes to the temple. You know, just as he's, as he's used to in his lifestyle. Of pursuing intimacy. Pursuing devotion. Discipline. And on all of those things where he's going to be with the Lord. And, and at that moment. He encounters Jesus. He, he was led by the Spirit. And, and, and somehow he just knew when he knew. When he saw Jesus. And in verse 29, he says, God, as you have promised, I have seen the, the Lord's Messiah with my own eyes. As you have promised, I've seen it come to pass. Just, that, just like you said you would. It started with one man witnessing it, but it was so that all the nations could encounter Jesus. And then that's his declaration as he goes on. He, he encounters Jesus. He sees the promise of God fulfilled in his own life. 
He sees it and He says, You are the light to the Gentiles. You are the Savior for Israel. You are going to be everything that, that God has promised. And I want you to know that, that God's promise came to pass for Simeon, even though there were so many things against it. That all the circumstances were stacked against Simeon at this time. That it was probably the, the last thing that you would ever expect, that, he, that the promise of God would come true. Now if you look at that historically, you know, we see there's 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And that's the era that Simeon is living in. That, that God hasn't said anything in a while. Is, is God moving? Is God doing anything? He's living in that time period of silence. That's, that's you know, the makeup. That's the background. And not only that, Rome is starting to take over. That God's people are now being oppressed. So there's silence. There's oppression. If anything, it seems like God is more distant than ever. How many of you guys know that that's the best recipe for God to break in and break through? That when, when, the, when the odds are stacked against you, is when God comes through. That's what He does best. The thing is, is that we'll never get to see the Red Sea part unless we're in a circumstance like that where the Red Sea has to be parted. Are you with me? I feel like oftentimes we sing songs like Oceans. We're like, God, the oceans is so beautiful. You know? We Instagram it rather than walking on it. God wants us to walk in faith. And that's, that's the circumstances Simeon finds himself in. And yet, but God comes through and he speaks and he sees Jesus himself. I believe in the same way, the same things can be said about where we live in and the time we live in. Oh man, New York City, dude, that, that city's just too big. Man, this generation, they, they're just, they're just too, too messed up. They're just too wild these days. Man, the city's too big. It's too simple. It's, it's impossible. God can't save this city. You know, we hear things like, you know, if God doesn't judge America, he owes Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. We hear things like that. But no, I believe that this is the recipe to see revival like never before. We have to understand that it's, it's the blood of martyrs that, that, that sows seeds of harvest. People who are willing to say that I'm saying yes to God with everything I have. You know, we see in Revelation that they overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and, and the word of their testimony. But the, the, the last part, I believe, is just as important. And it's that they didn't love their lives, even unto death. God is looking for people who will stand in the gap and, and intercede for a generation. People who will stand in the gap and believe for a city, even if it's silent, even if it's distant, even if it's corruption, even if it's perversion, even if, it, if, if everything is falling apart, we'll, we'll still stand and say, God, what you have promised will come to pass because you are faithful. God, you are not man to exaggerate, you're not man to lie, but what you said will come to pass and we want to believe with you. The circumstances are stacked against us. The city we live in is messed up. Kids in Bergen County are too spoiled. Whatever you want to say, God is still bigger. God is still bigger. His promise is greater than every problem. His one yes silences a multitude of no's. It doesn't matter who's saying no. It doesn't matter who's saying you can't. God is able. God is faithful. God is bigger than what we could ever dream or imagine. And I believe He's looking for people who catch that vision, who catch that heart and say, God, I'll stand with you even if it's just me. God, I'll believe your word even if it's just me. God, I'll believe your word no matter how ridiculous it might be. 
Even if, if things are stacked against me, I'll still believe. And that's what we want to say. Hey, the city's messed up. It's, our, our school campuses, it's jacked up. Our workplace is wicked. You know, all of these things, etc., etc. But we're still saying that God is able. God can't come through. That we're believing and, and, and contending for revival. And that's why we're looking to Him. That's why we're seeking Him. Because we're saying, God, only you can do it. Only you can do it. Because, you know what? God promised Simeon that he would see Jesus. But we don't see Simeon, like, fulfilling that himself. Like, how can he? Like, is he, like, walking to random babies? Like, you're Jesus. Promise fulfilled. Boom. No, like, only God can do it. Only God can set it up. And check this out. When Simeon sees Jesus as a baby, right? He sees Jesus as a baby. A baby who could do absolutely nothing for him. He's an elderly man. And he sees Jesus as a baby. But yet, even at that, he's so moved and says, God, you're faithful. God, you fulfilled your promise. Because guess what? That baby Jesus ain't laying hands on, on Simeon at that point. You know what I mean? That Jesus, that baby Jesus, like, isn't like floating out of his mother's arms, you know, like, what the? And like whispering, like, I'm Jesus. And, like floating back to like, no. It's just a baby. You know what I mean? It's just a baby. But yet Simeon sees Jesus in baby form, absolutely powerless. He can't speak a word. He can't encourage him. He can't lay hands on him. He can't pray for him. He can't do anything. He sees Jesus as a baby, but yet he's so moved by the Spirit and says, God, you are faithful. You fulfilled your promise. I want to have that kind of faith. Whether I see six pound, eight ounce baby Jesus, or six foot, eight inch LeBron Jesus, whatever. I just want to see Jesus as Jesus. Because when I do, I know that He's coming for me. I want to have that faith. We see it in Elijah again, where he sees the cloud the size of a man's hand, but he runs and says, rain is coming. Rain is coming. He sees a cloud the size of but he's running and believing. He says, God is fulfilling His promise. The drought is, is coming to an end. An, an outpouring is coming. A downpour is on its way. Torrents are coming. Because he saw something small. I want to have that kind of faith. Where we say, you know what, there's maybe, I'm really bad at like coming up with numbers. and It's like 20-ish, ish, 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 sure, niner. You know, whatever the number might be here. Where it's like people just came mostly out of a favor for me. I appreciate that. Thank you for paying tolls. Buy you coffee. Where people came, and it's not that many, but can we say that, man, even this... Even this is a sign that God is on the move. What other reason will we gather in a place like this? Can we say something like this where we see maybe that one kid at church, he like starts clapping during and he never claps. It's like he doesn't even have hands. But one day he claps and you're like, Jesus is on the move. Revival's about to break loose in this church. The handless kid has hands and now he's clapping. Right? I want to have that kind of faith, that kind of boldness. To say, you know what? In the natural, based on circumstances, it seems like the world is falling apart more than anything. But this is the recipe for God to break through. This is the recipe for God to break through. We, you know that the early church blew up, right? They had revival 
when Christians were being persecuted. We're like, playboy is like child's play in that era. Right? Perversion is just like so natural. Right? Sin is so natural. There's witchcraft. There's all of these things. But yet God broke through and God added numbers daily. There was power unleashed like never before. And it started with 12 rejects. One failed. Many of them, they all scattered. But yet God used them. And if God could use them, He could sure use me. If He could use them, He can use me. And this is like a third person's person's story. Because I went to Hillsong and I heard Carl Lentz share the story about someone else's story. And so it's like, like six degrees story, testimony. But I like it. And basically the story is like he, he meets this pastor who's been in ministry for 40 years. And, and, and Carl Lentz just wanted to ask, I don't even know if I'm telling this story right. It doesn't matter. It's my story now. This is how my story goes. In my story, Carl Lentz goes to this guy who's been in ministry for 40 years. But he goes to this story, or, or he goes to this man, right? In my story, stories are humans, okay? He goes to this pastor who's been in ministry, he's been contending, he's been fighting, all of these things, and he's asking him, you know, how, how, did, you, how did you stay faithful so long? How did you contend so long? How did you, you know, keep fighting, keep persevering? How did you do this? And he said, Carl, I just prayed one prayer over and over again. And that was simply this, Jesus, don't do it without me. Jesus, don't do it, because you know what? Revival is coming whether you want it or not. Revival is coming whether you try to stop it or not. Revival is coming whether you care or not. But that man's prayer was simply, Jesus, don't do it without me. Because I know God's going to move in this city. I know God's going to save people. I I believe He's going to heal people. I believe He's going to do everything that He said He would do. And my heart's cry is that, God, you won't do it without me. God, I'm giving my life so that I could be a part of it with you. Let me partner with you. I want to give my life so that your kingdom can come. So that your will can be done. And that you alone will be made famous. That you alone would get the glory. Because guess what? This ministry isn't about this place. It's not about one person. It's not about one ministry. It's about all of us together. No one is called to do everything. But everyone can do something. And together we can change the world. That's the call. Is that we would... Come together for one, for one purpose. That we will be single-minded together. That we will be wholehearted together. And that Jesus would come and honor that. I want to see even a glimpse. I want to have faith to see that God, you are faithful. You're moving. You're doing something in our midst. You're doing something in our churches. You're doing something at our workplace, our school campuses. Whatever the case might be. I want to taste and see the goodness of God. I want to taste and see the goodness of God. Because you know what? The truth is I've tasted and I've seen loss. I've tasted and I've seen brokenness. I've tasted and I've seen sin, destruction, heartache, loss. All of these things over and over again. But I want to start tasting and seeing the goodness of God. I want to taste and see the goodness of God. But the truth is, oftentimes, we have to taste it before we can see it. Now, I'm not really a good example of this, because as you can tell, I don't really discriminate against food. 
But how many of you guys have eaten sushi here before? I mean, if you think about, like, I know all of us are, like, food connoisseurs. So, like, sushi, like, we, we get it. But, like, but think about, like, the first time you've ever eaten sushi. Like, before you, like, just think about, like, salmon, it's, it's cold, orange, chunky flesh, and it's raw. I mean, for all of us now, we're like, man, I could go for some sushi right now. But imagine you've never, it's like, I don't see why people would eat this. I don't see why people would like such a thing. It's, it, if I'm basing it on what I'm seeing, it, it, it looks kind of nasty. It seems kind of raw. Wrong. And it is raw. But sometimes you have to taste it before you see it. It's not going to come in the package we'd like. Like I said, it might be just clapless Joe clapping once in a while. But even that we're saying, man, I've tasted and I've seen the goodness of God. Because God is good, amen? God is faithful and His word is true. All His promises are yes and amen in Jesus. All of His promises are yes and amen. His word is true. There's not a single thing that God has said that wasn't true. Everything he says is true. So when I see scriptures, I, I, I want to proclaim it as mine. I want to declare it as mine. There's Psalm 2.8. These are all verses that, that have just been on my heart. Psalm 2.8 says, God, Ask of me and I'll make the nations your inheritance. That you would make the ends of the earth my possession. God, I believe that word. God, you said that the nations would be my inheritance. God, you said that you would give me the ends of the earth as my possession, that they would come to know you. Habakkuk 2 verse 14 says that, that as the water covers the sea, so that his glory will cover the earth. It's not just a nice Bible verse. I refuse to make it some memory verse that, that makes me feel warm and fuzzy. It's a promise I want to claim as mine. In Habakkuk 3 verse 2 it says, God, I've heard of your fame. I've heard the stories. I've heard of what you've done back then. But God, I'm praying and I'm asking you that you would renew them in our day. God, I've heard of your fame. Renew them in our day. In wrath, remember mercy. God, remember us. Remember your children. Remember your promise to us. God, renew them in our day. In your wrath, remember mercy. That we are your beloved ones. We are your sons. We are your daughters. That's your promise. Joel, Joel chapter 2 says that in the last days he'll pour out his spirit on all flesh. Not just Christians. Not just believers. Not just charismatics. Not just Pentecostals. But all flesh. The old man will, will dream dreams and young men will see visions. That they'll catch a vision for something bigger than themselves. And that's Jesus Christ. Proverbs 29 verse 18 says that people perish for a lack of vision. But happy is he who keeps the law. Basically, they, they catch a glimpse of something bigger than themselves. I believe every single person we know is looking for purpose, looking for significance, looking for, for the matter in some reason, and that answer is Jesus. The truth is we don't know the solution, but we do know the answer, and that's Jesus. Jesus, you said that the signs would follow. That we would lay hands on the sick and they would be healed. 
God, you said that we would see signs and wonders and miracles. Not for our fame, not for our glory, so that they could see that your word is true. That you've come to give life and life to the fullest. It's not just a bumper sticker. It's the purpose of why you've come. And we want to see that in our day. We want to see that in our generation. We want to see that in the region we live in. You said it. I'm going to take you at your word. I don't know about you, but I will devote myself till I see the promise of God come to pass. I'm going to pursue the things of God. I'm going to give my all. You know what? I'm going to mess up. I'm going to screw up. I might offend you along the way. But I'm still pursuing because you know what? I will see Jesus whether in this lifetime or the next. But I'm not stopping until I do. I would give everything I have to see Him. God, I'm praying that you come like you said. That you come like you promised. I'm going to die trying because the truth is I'm dead already without Him. I'm giving it my all. It's going to cost everything. But in, in, in the lessons of brokenness that I've been going through, I realize I have nothing anyways. All I have is your promise. All I have is your faithfulness. And that's enough for me. I will seek you to my dying breath. Till I see you in this lifetime or the next. But the truth is, I will see you. I will be with you one day. Because that's the desire of the nations. That's the pearl of great worth. That we would sell it all for that one. That's Jesus. And I want to say yes to his heart. Because his heart is for revival. That people would know that they're free. That they would know that they're loved. That their life matters. And that's what I want to do. It's going to cost us everything. But it's worth it. And I'm closing with this. Now this is actually my own testimony. I remember a few weeks back at church during worship, just Sunday regular worship, we were singing an, an old school song, um, Did You Feel the Mountains Tremble by Delirious. Now there's this one lyric in there where it's like, open your floodgates, or something along those lines. And, and as we're singing, I just got this vision where like I'm, I'm transported in front of like, like a floodgate. I don't really know what a floodgate looks like. I live in the 21st century. You know, but I found myself like in front of like a Hoover Dam type thing, and I saw myself knocking on it and say, "God, open your floodgates, open the floodgates of heaven, pour out your mercy, pour out your spirit, pour out your grace, pour out your your, your love, pour out yourself." And I just and I just saw this vision of me knocking on that floodgate by myself. It's 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 towering over me. It's it's ginormous. I'm just knocking on it by myself. And as I was knocking, I got this, you know, it, it just dawned on me like, if God actually does what I'm asking him to do, I'm going to die. Like, he's like, Sam, you want it open? Sure. I'm going to get washed away, wiped away when the floodgate opens. And that's when I realized that's the cost. That as I'm knocking, it's going to cost me my life. But if that means other people are going to experience God's love, it's worth it. I'll be on the front line. I'll be the only one. I'll do whatever you ask, whatever you say, because God, I want to see a revival in my day. I would give my life to see revival. 
God, don't do it without me. And I would stand there knocking. And I realized the heaviness of that cost. That it's going to cost me my life. It's going to cost me everything to see an outpouring. But I'm not going to stop. Because he said, if you ask, I'll give you. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, it will be open. So I'm going to knock to my dying breath. So what if, if, I, if I die in the midst of it? I, in that, I realize I'm a dead man anyways. If I get a tattoo, I'm gonna, it's going to say dead man knocking. Dead man, I'm already dead, but I'm knocking. Because I'm dead if you don't come. I'm dead unless you come. So I'm going to stand here knocking on the floodgates of heaven. Contending for revival. That it's not just so that this ministry can grow. It's not so that whatever night we do this thing, it will be packed. No, it's so that all the local churches will be filled. Because real revival is not about one church being but it's every church in a region being filled with people wanting to know more of God. It's not just this church, that church, but it's all of us together. It's an entire region shifting their hearts to God. Shifting their face to God. That they're pursuing this, they're pursuing that. Some of them are not pursuing anything at all. But we're coming together to say, this one thing I will pursue. With all my strength, with all my might, with all my mind, with all my heart, with everything I got, I'm pursuing till I see you come. So my challenge to you tonight is, I've already committed to be a dead man knocking. And I'll do it even if it's just me. I'll do it even if it costs me everything. But would you join not, not me, not for my cause, but for His kingdom. To say, God, I want to see you do something in my family. I want to see you do something in the place that I work, in the school I go to, in the church I attend. I want to see you do something. Or even if it's just a glimpse of a baby, something that can't even do anything for us, we'll say, God, you are faithful to your word. You're faithful to your promise. You're faithful. So with that, with our eyes closed and our head bowed, if that's you and you're just saying, God, I, God, I want to see revival. God, I want to see revival. I would give my life to this. I just want to ask you to stand. God, bring revival. Bring revival. Not as we pursue reform. Not as we pursue justice. Social justice. I'm not saying those things are bad. But it's as we pursue Him. The one who strengthens us. The one who leads us. If that's you, just start asking God to fill you right now. Because we can't do it without His Spirit. God, come. God, come and fill us with your spirit, God. There's nothing else we'd rather live for than you. Lord, it's cliche to say, but it's true. Every man dies, but not every man lives. 
And the only life worth living is for you. So God, we're asking that you'd start with us. That you would bring revival and that you would start with us. That you would draw us closer to you. Come on, let's just start asking the Lord to cultivate that hunger and desire within us for more of Him. It starts with that. It just starts with getting face to face with the one I love, the one we love, the one who loves us. God, we're praying that you'd cultivate this desire within us for more of you. God, we want more of you and nothing else. God, we want revival. And you are the revival. So we're not seeking programs, God. We're not pursuing to be better people. We're not pursuing anything else except you. God, it's your presence you want. So God, we're knocking on the floodgates and asking God, open Bring revival. God, don't do it without me. God, you promised. God, you said that you would come. You said that signs would follow. God, you said that, that the sick would be healed. You said that the lepers would be blessed. You said that blind eyes would be open and deaf ears would be open to God. God, we want to see that in our day. We don't want to read about it. We don't want someone else's testimony. We want to see it with our own eyes. Just like Simeon, Lord. So he didn't get a third person's account. But he saw it for himself and he knew that you are faithful. So God, we're saying that you are as good as you say you are. That you are faithful. That you are the faithful one. There's nothing else we want for you. Lord, come. Thank you for listening to Pursuit Cast. For more information on the ministry of Pursuit NYC, please visit us on the web at www.pursuitnyc.org. Revival or bust.